The, the word empty is, is most often a bad thing. When, you're, when your stomach is empty, whenever you're hungry, that's not necessarily a good thing. Now, it may, it may start you thinking about roses for lunch, and roses is certainly a, a good thing, but when your stomach is empty or whenever your pockets are empty, when your bank account is empty, when you go to the, when you go to the pantry and you see that that box of frosted flakes, and then take it off of the shelf and then realize that one of your teenage sons has put it back on the shelf empty. <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the only one that's experienced that. But empty is, is not, usually, it's not usually a good thing. And, and sometimes as, as human beings, we... We bring our own sort of emptiness with us. Sometimes as, as believers, we come to this place on, on Sunday and we, we gather around the, the throne of grace of our, our Lord together. And yet sometimes we, we come here and we bring our, our own sort of emptiness with us. Sometimes we experience emptiness for one reason or another. Empty, it, it, might describe a, it might describe a season of life. Maybe for, for you, you're, you're going through that season right now, or you might be able to think back of times in your life whenever empty characterized a particular season of life. Or sometimes empty, it may, it may describe the majority of the life. What I want to begin with today is that, that our God, our God through Christ and through the gospel of Christ, our God redeems the word. He redeems the word empty. He redeems the word empty because the tomb is found empty. As the Apostle Peter writes in the, the text that Neil read for us a few minutes ago, he God, He redeemed us from an empty way of life. How? With the precious blood of Christ the Lamb, chosen before the creation of the world. Through Him, you believe in the One who raised Him from the dead. And through the Gospel, which is a, a message of redemption, God, He redeems the Word. He redeems the Word as He redeems us. As Jesus empties Himself. As He's obedient to God. The plan of God as Jesus empties Himself and becomes one of us and submits to the cross. And then, as He walks out of the tomb alive, as God resurrects Him and as He leaves the tomb empty, it's that emptiness that fills the whole world. God, He redeems the Word. And He redeems the empty. What the empty tomb brings to us, empty tomb brings to us, is redemption. Because the God who seemed so very silent on Friday... 
He has the final word on Sunday. So let me try it this way. I have in, in my pocket, I have a check for $1,000 printed last week here at the church. Mike signed off on it, just playing. Check for $1,000. Who wants it? Who wants it? It's, it's for anybody who wants it, come and get it. Youth ministers don't count. No, you can't have it. <laughs> Youth ministers count. Do you want this? Do you really want this? Like, do you want this to be able to have from here on out? Okay. Now, I guess now this, this is great. We didn't plan this. But if you're going to put yourself on the spot and actually have me walk down here, okay. read for me, like, where this check is coming from. Read up here. Where's it coming from? Sydney, Australia. P. P. Sherman, 42, Wallaby Way, Sydney, Australia. Paid to the order of? Uh, your name here. Your name here. Right. April 28th. Got the date right. Look at the check number. What's the check number? 8675309. Okay. 8675309. Now, now I, I want you to know that, that, uh, that Alan has no idea why that number is funny, do you? Uh, you do? Wrong, okay. Right? All right. All right. Uh, so it's from Make Believe Bank, Rockwall, Texas. <laughs> the purpose is for sermon purposes and laughs. Elvis and then it's signed Elvis Presley. Here you go. Very good. Thank. Yes. Keep that for you. Yeah. Now here's the thing. So check for a thousand dollars, right? Printed on uh, here at the church, uh, and yet he's not going to be able to do anything with that with that check except put it up in his office now for posterity. That's the reason why I decided. No, don't you dare tear it up. <laughs> I actually have a second one for second service right here. So. <laughs> now, you're not going to be able to, he's not going to be able to cash that check. Why? Why not? Because it's not valid, right? It's, it's not valid. It's not real. It's not true. But if I gave you a check that was valid, that was real, that was true, that was authentic, you could indeed go and cash it. Redemption means that you have something of worth that's being exchanged for something of, of worth. A real check would have, would have been valued in the amount that's written on it, and then it could have been redeemed for the value that's, that's on it. Something of value being worth what it's exchanged for, or something of value that's being purchased by something of value. Now that's that's the gospel of Jesus. That's that's what God affords for uh, affords. Think of the language. That's what God for, affords for us within the gospel of Jesus. Let me try it another way. Uh, Confederate money. We live in the South. How many of you have any Confederate bills at at home? All right. Here's the thing. I want for you whenever you go to Roses for lunch today. I want you to try to use that money whenever you go to Roses. You can't use it. Why not? Because it doesn't have any value. It doesn't have any sort of uh, ability to be able to, to... It's irredeemable. It's irredeemable. And so I wonder today, I wonder two things. The first thing is I, I, wonder, if, I wonder if you fully, completely, totally believe in the gospel of Jesus. Now that, that might seem a little... A little direct. But we're from Texas and we're direct people. And so I'm going to go ahead and stick with that. 
I wonder if you believe the gospel of Jesus. Because what the gospel communicates to us is that God has redeemed us through what He accomplished in the life, ministry, death, burial, resurrection, ascension of Jesus. What the gospel teaches us and promises us is that God has redeemed us by and through the gospel of Christ. And yet I wonder if you believe it. I wonder if you believe it to be true. If you believe it to be valid. If you believe it to be real. And the second thing is I I wonder, I wonder if maybe you haven't mistakenly begun to believe that you're irredeemable. Because the, the gospel of Jesus, I mean, it sounds too good to be true. But I wonder if maybe for you, maybe you might mistakenly believe that you are beyond redemption. That you're beyond redemption. Which, as Jack Lewis says, is to set yourself up as a higher tribunal than God. But I wonder if you might believe that you're beyond redemption. But what the gospel communicates to us is that God, God has proven his love. And he's proven our value. In the cross and in the resurrection. He's paid in the full price for our redemption. I mean, we don't even need to look further than the New Testament for our proof. Just think about some of the events that we see in the New Testament. Five husbands and shacking up. Redeemed by Jesus, right? Blind from birth and penniless. Redeemed by Jesus. Terrified in the middle of a storm. Redeemed by Jesus. Denying that he ever knew him five minutes after he swore he never would. Redeemed by Jesus. And even as we look at Peter's life, Peter's life is a life of redemption. As as all lives, all stories defined by Christ are redemption stories. But think about the Apostle Peter who denies Christ, but then as he's reinstated by Christ, and as three times Jesus asks him, do you love me? And as three times Jesus' response to Peter's declaration of, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, Jesus' declaration is then do something about it. He gives him a job to do. Peter's story is a story of redemption. Caught in the, think of this story of the New Testament, caught in the very act of infidelity. Redeemed by Jesus. Hanging by his limbs. With his life passing with every suffocating moment. Promised to be saved by the man that hung next to him. These are all redemption stories. Why? Because our God is a God, is the God of redemption. And God is the author of the story of redemption. Let me try it this way. In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, there are five major covenants that God initiates. 
The first is the, the Noahic covenant. Genesis chapter 9, the covenant that God extends to, to, to Noah. The Abrahamic covenant, Genesis chapter 12, to Abraham, Mosaic covenant, Exodus 19 to 24, Davidic covenant, 2 Samuel chapter 7. And yet, even as I mention each and every one of these covenants, not only do we see that God engaged in covenantal relationship with humanity through these covenants, but we also, because we have Scripture in front of us to be able to to learn of these lives, we become aware that along the way that God redeemed each and every one of these stories. Noah, at one point in his life at least, who was drunk. Abraham, who was a habitual liar. Moses, who, maybe the most heinous of all crimes, Moses, who was a whiner. David? Think about David. David wiped out half of the commands of God in one rowdy Saturday night. But God is the God who redeems our stories. Now, if you're keeping track, there, those are, there's four covenants there, and I said there were five. The fifth one is the new covenant that's prophesied in the Old Testament. Look at Jeremiah 31, 33, where God, through the prophet, says, this is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after that time. I'll put my law on their minds. I'll write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Enter the gospel of Jesus. The Bible is a story of redemption. And, and if you know these, these stories, you can think of the ways that God was at work through these individuals of the Old Testament. And, and to, to embrace the way that God is at work within our lives and how He can redeem, how He has the capacity to redeem our stories. If we'll just let Him. The Bible's a story of redemption. Cover to cover. From the redemption of Adam and Eve in Genesis all the way to those who worship and praise the Lamb seated upon the throne in John's Revelation. Redeeming the story. Redeeming our narratives. That's what God does. With repentance and and love. Repentance and forgiveness. Grace. God's Holy Spirit. God's Holy Word. God's Holy Church. He redeems us. Stick with me. Look at these passages from the Apostle Paul's theology. Romans 3.24 All are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1.30 It is because of Him Because of Him that you're in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is, our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Ephesians 1.7 In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Verse 14 of Ephesians 1 The Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. Ephesians 4, verse 30, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God in whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And then Colossians 1, verses 13 and 14, out of the same text that Tony and 
uh, that, that, that Tony read our, er, earlier. And uh, Keith, I think even too, the passage that you went to was right out of this Colossians 1, 1 passage. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves in whom we have, we have redemption. And with redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And even though Paul, in these passages, is writing about, divinely led by the Spirit of God, he's writing about what God has, has done for us, what God has done for humanity, Paul also has a story of redemption. And he's writing about, yes, this is what God has done for everyone. What God offers everyone. But it's also what God has done for him. In Christ, our stories become... In Christ, our stories have... They become redemption stories. Because we've all had dark days. And yet in Christ, our stories become redemption stories. And God is bent upon seeing this through. That, that even, even the, goal, the goal of salvation, the goal of salvation is redemption. We have to view and we have to see salvation through the lens of redemption. The goal of, the goal of salvation is not to go to heaven when we die. That's not the goal of salvation. We say that, but when we say that, when we think that, we deduce the salvation that Jesus offers. We deduce it down into a get-out-of-jail-free card that we're given at the end of this physical, temporary life. The goal of salvation is not that we get to go to heaven when we die. That's a truth. That's a promise. But the goal of salvation... The goal of salvation is redemption. The goal is to be a part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God here and now. Because it's that truth and that reality that designates the there and then when eternity comes. To join God in what He has done. To join God in what He is doing. And what He will do. The goal of salvation is to be a part of the kingdom of God. Because to, to be a part of the kingdom is to be with God when eternity comes. At the same time, to be a part of the kingdom is to join with God in this great, grand story, this narrative that we do not deserve to be a part of, but become a part of. When we enter into the kingdom, the kingdom of God, this kingdom life through the life of the king of the kingdom, King Jesus. That's the reason, that's the reason why without the resurrection, the cross doesn't mean a crying thing. Jesus is not a method. He's not a formula. He's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. He's real. He's valid. He's true. He's the way, and He's the truth, and He's the life. Jesus' life not only 
is resurrected. He is the resurrection and the life. That's the reason why when Jesus invites you to come, and He invites you to come and to be a part of the kingdom, to be a part of the kingdom of God, Jesus doesn't invite you to come and to share in a theory. He invites you to come and to sit at His table and to share a meal. The Gospel, it's not a string of proof text pilfered from Scripture to affirm a particular ideology. The Gospel is the transforming power of God to those who believe. And so again, it's a question of do we believe? What does Jesus say? Jesus doesn't say all authority in heaven and on earth is going to be given to all the things that y'all are going to say and write about me in that original audience. What's he say? He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so he invites us to come and to share and to be a part of this kingdom. The kingdom of God. He invites us to come and to share and to be a part of his kingdom. And he invites us in. He invites us in so that He might redeem our stories. So that our stories might be redemption stories. So that He might redeem those dark days, events, burdens. I just can't help but think that maybe somebody here today needs to receive or rest in the redemption of God. And so I want to I close with a, a time of, of prayer. But before I do, I, after, I, after I, I pray, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And I, and I, and I want to communicate to you that, that if, if there's something on your heart that we can pray over as your church family, that's, God's given us this time together. Let's, let's make sure that we're allowing God to utilize this time in the, in the way that He's designed and way that he sees fit. Because if redemption requires anything, it's a response from each of us. And so maybe today, if you've, if you've never been baptized into Christ, I, I hope and pray that you would have the conviction and the courage to, to be baptized. And also, if we can pray for you, we want to be able to do that. And so I want to pray, and then as we conclude, the invitation will be yours. Let's pray together. Father, we, uh, we as, as created beings, Father, we, when we consider your, your holiness, your perfection, your power, your glory, when, when we as, as broken people, God, consider your, your desire for us to draw near, near to you, and yet as we recognize that you have been and always will be faithful, and yet when we consider your faithfulness and recognize our own lack of faithfulness, Father, we... 
We can't bring ourselves to look upon your face. And yet, God, we know that through, through Jesus, and we believe through Jesus, that you, you lift us up. That you lift us up to, to be close to you, to be near to you. And God, you forgive us and redeem us. And only do you redeem us as, as people so that we might enter into eternity with you, God. You redeem us so that, we might, so that our stories might be a part of, so that our stories would be a part of your story. That we would connect to you and that our stories would be redemption stories, not only for ourselves, but for the world. That the world would come to know the goodness that you offer. So God, I pray today for conviction. I pray for our hearts to be open to you. And I pray, God, that we would choose, choose to be people who live redeemed lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's all stand.